Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox for a special edition. Uh, that is, I'm going to do an update today uh, on the short-term mission trip that I joined uh, headed down to Iquitos, Peru at the end of November. Now, it's been almost two weeks since we got back, so it's not yet fuzzy in my memory, but it also doesn't have that same sort of sheen and glow uh, that these types of experiences have right after you get back. So hopefully uh, you'll get a well thought out a response uh, and reaction to what God showed us uh, down there on that trip. So as a reminder, the point of a short-term mission trip is not actually to get the most uh, bang for your buck, if you will, uh, to take a, a certain amount of money and get the most out of it uh, for the mission or whatever uh, church or organization that you're working with. Um, as a matter of fact, short-term mission trips are, in some ways, they're exorbitantly expensive, right? You take airfare, um, that is that is. Uh, a disproportionately large amount of your trip cost, and then you fly a bunch of people halfway across the world, and then they do work that maybe they're not professionally suited for, right? That's that's how often short-term missions trip work. Uh, but in that process, something really neat happens, okay? Not only uh, do the people on the trip get to do some good, right, and they get to contribute some impact to the to the setting of the of the church there, but also if the if the trip is done well, then then those people get to sort of the people coming on the trip get to sort of rub off and cross-pollinate with the local church. And more than anything, though, I think they get put into a place where all sort of their comfort zones are blown up. And uh, and then uh, if you go on a, a short-term missions trip, like the way you see the world changes, it can never be the same again. And so the 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 point, if you will, of a, of a short-term mission trip is not just to uh, get a building finished and that's the end of the story. The, the, the point is spiritual development of the people who are going on the trip as well as uh, an encouragement and being a blessing to those who are there. Um, and we certainly experienced that on our trip. We had 11 people. Uh, we were from three different states, which is not super common on a trip this small, uh, and from a, a handful of different churches, actually. And uh, some of the people that, that came on the trip with us, uh, we didn't even meet them until we were in an airport halfway to Peru already. And so as we look at what happened, it became um, the, the group gelled together very, very well. And there was a lot of uh, different personalities that came together and uh, new friendships that formed. And it was, it, was a very, it was a very exciting time, actually. It was a great trip to be a part of. And you could see how God had sort of put these people together, not only to serve together, but also uh, for iron to sharpen iron a little bit. And so what we saw was a picture of the church in a universal sense, okay? So and typically when we talk about church, and I know I've talked about this before, we talk about our own small gathering of the church. But what we got to see was uh, was like five different churches probably represented in this one group, but all of us believers in Jesus Christ, right? All of us united on some mission, and that was just the ones of us going on the trip. And when we got there, when we got to Iquitos, then we joined in with another church, right? With another local fellowship there. 
And uh, some of the, the interesting things that happen when you mix this many different kinds of churches uh, and also languages and cultures is that you get a, a really sort of a shock to your system of thinking. Like, it's very easy for us, I think, as Christians to say, like, oh, the right way to be a Christian is the way I do it. And we don't realize just how much of our culture comes with that and how much of our own, the things that we've been taught about Scripture uh, have played into that. And uh, it's very easy then to look at everybody else's sort of like outsiders or wrong. Okay, so we come into this church in Iquitos, um, and, uh, and, and we show up. It's a Saturday, and like the church is full of like 18 to 20-year-olds uh, learning how to share their testimony, like learning how to make disciples. Um, and, and, and you're like, well, it's a, you know, it's a Saturday. Like, what are, the, what are all these young people doing in America? They'd be out, you know, you'd never get this many kids together for this, uh, just, just from your own church, right? This is kind of crazy. Um, but, but the, the church culture at Iglesia Genesis is very founded on, uh, disciple making. In other words, this idea that when Jesus gave the, the great commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all the nations and to teach them to obey everything he commanded, right? So when Jesus told his disciples to do that, he meant it. And not just for them, but also for us. And so our commission is to make disciples. And so not only have, have the church leaders sort of in this, in this church um, been, uh, they're sort of driven by this, but also they have this sense of like, if we don't teach our disciples how to make disciples, then it's going to end here, and we don't want to do that. And so not only are there like the paid staff disciple makers, but there's under them like tiers of other disciple makers. And when you, when you come to the church in that place, like you come into a culture of disciple making, which is very, very encouraging and challenging, and, and I would say sort of uh, convicting to me. Um, I meet with some other people uh, fairly regularly uh, during most weeks here, and and one of the things that I came back thinking is like I got to get these I got to get these people also uh, making disciples of others, or maybe not. I have to get them doing it, but I that I ought to be encouraging them to do it. Right, so we come into this church and we see a disciple-making culture that is that is just pervasive. It's everywhere. Um, that doesn't mean that everybody's, you know, each individual person is making disciples, but it does mean that uh, that a very large swath of the church is. Right. Uh, some things that I noticed when I got in. Okay, so this church has male and female pastors, and they uh, they're often a husband and wife pair, and 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 they'll they'll have a morning service and an evening service, and one of the members of the couple will preach in the morning and one in the evening. Right. Or um, and and this this strikes me as as strange, right? Because I. I come from a background where women don't preach in the church, and uh, the way I read scripture is I don't think that's probably the best plan. However, right, here I am in somebody else's house. These are clearly believers. They're clearly seeking to honor the Lord, uh, and so I have to humble myself sort of and submit to that and uh, seek to discern God at work in that church. And of course, God is at work in that church. So it's a bit challenging to me, a little bit of a stretching experience, but still uh, one where, where you, you know, you don't have to, you'd be blind, shall we say, not to see the Spirit of God at work moving in that church, okay?
some other things where we were stretched. Like, so you get off the plane, of course, in Iquitos, and Iquitos is called, um, it's called the Beautiful Isle, not because it's an island, but because it's a, in some ways, it's an island disconnected from roads. It's, it's the biggest city in the world that's not an actual island that can't be reached by road from another city. Okay, so um, Iquitos is, is off in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. Uh, it's, it's right on the Amazon River. Um, and, and if you go there, like to get there, you either have to get on a boat up the Amazon or you got to fly in. You can't, you can't go to a different city and drive in. And so in Iquitos, then all of the transportation is different, right? It's hard to get, you don't, you don't have nearly so many cars and the weather is different. And so you have these, these, uh, motorcycle uh, type three-wheeled motorcycles that basically dominate the city. It's motorcycles and these, these three-wheel trikes, and uh, that's sufficient for most people for their transportation needs. Now, cars and trucks and some buses are, are there, uh, but they're not super common. And so even from the moment like you enter the city, you're like, oh, well, this is different. <laughs> there are some different things going on here. And then you, you start to go, okay, well, I could do one of two things. I could look at all these different things and I could say, well, my way is better. Why don't they do it my way? Or we can just choose to listen, right? And to say, hey, you know, they're, they're not foolish people. They've come up with good ways to deal with their environment and their situation and, and they have a culture. And so I want to learn from them and I want to enjoy and experience their culture. Uh, so I spent a great deal of time actually riding around on the bike of a motorcycle uh, driven by another, by a, a Peruvian. Um, and uh, and I had I had one very interesting cultural experience eating a roasted uh, larvae of some sort. That was very tasty. Um, and I and I tried to sort of immerse myself in the culture as much as I could. Now I'm normally not a super adventuresome person. I don't live for this kind of thing. But I thought if I flew all the way to Peru, I'm not going to waste my time here trying to get an American experience, which I'm going to have every other day of my life, right? So uh, just a little note, if you ever do go on a short-term missions trip, like uh, do the things that you can only do there while you're there. Uh, don't try to do the American things that you have all back at home while you're there. It's just it's a waste of a trip, right? Uh, so one of the other experiences that I had there that was that was incredibly uh, a huge blessing to me is uh, we showed up on on Saturday. We went to church on Sunday, uh, and then on Monday night, one of the women in the church who's just like a born evangelist, her name's Vero, uh, she she has been, for years, she has been reaching out to prostitutes. She has been trying to share the love of Christ. <laughs> Not trying. She's been succeeding in sharing the love of Christ with uh, these women. And so she put together a banquet for them. And uh, she she brought them into the church, and then she had us on the trip, and then some other of the men in the church uh, to to escort these women to a table and to sit down and and to and to share a meal with them. And then she had a woman who had come out of that life uh, share her testimony, and she had a couple other people um, speak. One of the women actually in her trip uh, from Iowa. Uh, spends a great deal of her time like volunteering, teaching people about human trafficking and prostitution here in America. And so she's got a lot of knowledge and experience with that. So she was able to share there. Um, 
one of the one of the young ladies, one of the missionaries' uh, daughters, sang uh, to these women um, a cappella. She did a fa- fabulous job. And then the pastor of the church um, got up and and he just uh, he spoke to these women and he. And he shared God's love with them, and he told them, like, there is a place for you here. And he invited them back to church. Okay, so here I am sitting in, um, in, a, in a, on a church premises, right, in a little cafe they have with two dozen uh, prostitutes, enjoying a meal with them and hearing God's truth proclaimed and an invitation from the pastor for them to come to church. And I'm like, this is exactly what Jesus would do. And that woman, Vera, who put all of this together by her own, with her own resources and her own time and her own love and her own pain, uh, she, she hired a bus to bring them all up here to the church. Um, I'm just looking at this woman and I'm like, that's what Jesus looks like blew me away, right? We found out later that like on the next Sunday, these women showed up to church. Now we found out that um, some of them, from the time they got back on the bus, they were looking forward to the day they could come back to go to church. One of these women said, I have never felt good around anything religious ever before in my life like I did here. Um, another woman had some pain uh, for gall on her, on her uh, she had gallstones, she had uh, severe pain that she'd been dealing with for years, and she said when she came into that church, the pain went away for the first time in years. And so God is reaching out to these women. I, I sat in, in the back uh, of this section of a bunch of, of these ladies who sat together, and, and I looked ahead of me, and during worship, like a couple of them had their phones up, and they were recording the worship on their phones, and then they were, they were posting it to Facebook. And I thought, here the gospel goes out, not to people who have their life cleaned up and have everything in order and look really religious, but here God's message of freedom and truth and love and grace and forgiveness is being extended uh, to people that the world like despises and looks down upon, and sadly that Christians often want to keep their distance from instead of reaching out to. And so of the whole trip, that was probably the biggest thing that impacted me was just to see, uh, not only to, to sit in church with prostitutes and know, like, this is who God is, right? But to see that so much on display uh, in Vero and the way that she's just given of her time and her money, uh, her resources, and her love to these women. And so uh, we, we were talking to her on Sunday. She said it costs about 25 bucks uh, to chart, to hire a bus to bring them from a plaza more downtown up to the church and then get them back after church. And so actually, if you would like to give uh, to help support that ministry, maybe one week out of the next year, I'll give some instructions for that later at the end of this video. So that that floored me. Okay, a couple other things that happened while we were on that trip. So uh, we were staying uh, about a half hour away from the church in a little camp uh, that um, where where these missionaries that we stayed with uh, put on what are called encounter weekends, and so they'll bring out uh, young believers 
new believers or old believers, if they've never been through these, it's sort of a one-time experience uh, where for three days they will house them and feed them and teach them and worship with them. And uh, it's really a, it's a time to encounter God and to learn and to grow and to be challenged. And they cover a whole huge slew of topics, uh, many of them dealing especially with uh, trauma and abuse and sexuality because uh, the, the church is mostly filled with people who didn't grow up Christians, right? They grew up in drugs, they grew up in, uh, in all kinds of terrible situations, and now they've come into the church, and so they, they cover uh, basically everything <laughs> practically everything that you can think of uh, that a brand new believer doesn't know anything about God or his word uh, would need to learn. Um, and so they, they cover some pretty weighty subjects uh, and they do it you know, very intentionally. And so our project was we were working on helping uh, the ladies tiled and painted in their kitchen facility and uh, the men built a bunch of benches um, so that for them to sit out when they eat and some tables as well. Uh, I think we made essentially space for 48 people to eat uh, between the tables and the benches. Uh, and then one of the members of our team uh, who was there, who, who welds 10 hours a day as his job, uh, we arrived and they pointed out that that their tractor's axle had broken and the, the local repair they got done didn't last. And so uh, Barn went and, and he welded, he spent the week re-welding this axle, but also teaching one of the young men there uh, some new welding techniques and training him how to do that so that he can we can leave that knowledge behind, right? And now this young man uh, has some skills and some knowledge that he didn't have. Uh, before we showed up on that trip. So uh, I mentioned this young man. There's actually 14 right now young men. Uh, I think they're around the ages of 18 to 20, maybe 22. Uh, there's 14 of them that live with Nelton and Bethany and their family. They've got a, a, a rather large house here. Uh, and these young men come out and, uh, and they're very intentional about making disciples of them. Most of these kids have come out of a very hard backgrounds, including like uh, drug addiction, and they get they get saved. They come out if and, and they and they embark on this intentional period of disciple making, where they learn to study and to memorize scripture together, and then they all work, uh, and and um, and so they help run the camp. And and uh, as part of this discipling program, they teach them not just. Uh, how to memorize the Bible, but how to run finances, right? And how to how to be responsible in taking care of stuff. And and uh, they've started thus far two small businesses, I think, out of these group of young people, um, maybe more, where uh, where they they help them start these businesses and run these businesses so that these men can become uh, productive and and self sufficient in some ways. Uh, members of contributing members of society that's the word I'm looking for um, so uh, you know as I said we we all we all bring our difficulties and our trials with us and, and one thing that I really really appreciate about being with that church and with that group and especially with that group of young men is that they're all in some ways they're being pushed to grow uh, to teach to make disciples and there's this expectation that that setbacks and failures are going to happen and that's not the end of the story uh, but they would rather uh, fail falling forward 
And I think of, you know, I was a pastor for 10 years, and I think I, I had churches full of, of people who not only uh, had been in the church as believers for 10 or 20 or, or 30 or more years, but also many of them grew up in the church. And so they'd, they'd never even known a period of their life where they, where they hadn't been hearing about Jesus Christ, and they hadn't been learning in Sunday school and endless sermons and the like. And... Uh, and yet it was it was hard to find somebody who would feel qualified uh, to teach a Sunday school class or to or to lead a small group of believers and uh, and I think part of that was just this mentality of like well I might fail or I don't know how to do it perfectly uh, and so then the the response was I won't do it but what I saw in Akitos was a bunch of of young men who were being told like it's not a choice of whether you make disciples or not <laughs> this is a command from the Lord and so you need to make disciples and we're going to teach and we're going to equip you and we're going to help you grow and we're going to walk through this with you but we expect you're going to fail and you you're going to get it wrong, and that's okay. It's far better to fail seeking to do what's right than not to engage at all. Um, and and really, that's isn't that the parable of the talents, right? The the one servant who who the master comes back and he says, "Well, here's your talent. I I hid it in the ground because I was afraid I would lose it. I was afraid I would fail uh, at trying to use this talent, so I didn't use it at all." And I think this is one indictment in the American church where where there's a lot of people with their talents sort of buried in the ground, um, and and we, and we don't want to fail, and so we don't try. We just set those things aside, and I think we're going to have a, a, a very. Uh, we're, there's going to be a lot of people who whose master, when he approaches them, um, is not pleased, uh, and and so my encouragement to you, if you're listening to this, if you've never been on sort of a cross cultural missions trip, where you've been, where you've had to be immersed in a culture that's just feels weird because it's not what you're used to, like. At the first opportunity you get to go, I would say go. Uh, and don't go with this idea of like, well, they're all, they, we have it all figured out and we're just going to show them how to do it. But go with it with a humble learner's attitude of like, they're going to show me things about Christ uh, that I don't get at home. They're going to show me uh, things about godliness that I'm, that I, that are, unfamiliar to me. Uh, they're going to show me things about the world that, that are that are valuable for me to know and to learn. And I also, of course, all of us have something to contribute to that discussion. And also, just on a personal uh, note, I, I think I shared with uh, some of you um, that a year ago I'd had a journal entry where I'd been trying to sort out with the Lord, like, what's next? Uh, and one of the things that he led me to was Jeremiah 1, and I recorded it. It was almost, it was just a little over a year before I went on this trip. Um, and, and I recorded this, this quiet time of Jeremiah 1, and I thought, I just had this sense that God was calling me uh, to the nations. But I didn't have any clarity beyond that. Um, and I wrote in my journal, I wrote Jeremiah 1.5. I wrote it out uh, because that one seemed particularly poignant. And, and Jeremiah 1.5 uh, talks about how God picked Jeremiah before he was born. And, and he he set this mission out, him, out for him before he was born. And uh, as if to clarify to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, like, this is my plan, not yours, right? 
So I had written that down, and then I and then I, I showed up in Iquitos, and I went to a church uh, that first weekend, and the pastor preached on Jeremiah 1, 5, and 6. And so there it was, uh, like God saying, okay, you know, that was me. And I thought, all right, God, what does that mean? <laughs> Later on in that week, um, I was sitting there saying like, okay, God, what do I need to do? Uh, is there something that I should be pursuing to make this happen? Like, uh, am I going to hold this up? And and we were in a small group gathering at the time, um, sort of debriefing our day. And, and one of the Peruvians uh, stood up and he shared something. And then he quoted Jeremiah 1.5, even as in my head, I'm having this, you know, prayerful dialogue with the Lord, like, God, what do I have to to do uh, this this young Peruvian <laughs> stands up and he says and he quotes that verse and it's like God just said Andy just relax I plan this I'm doing it I'll make it clear to you when you need to act when you need to move but in the meantime you just keep obeying day by day and so I'd encourage you like sometimes I think we we want uh, and, and, you know, big long-term plans and dreams are not a bad thing. And often God works uh, through those. Um, but if you don't have that, like, don't feel like you have to make the plan on how to make everything happen. Uh, because God very much likes us to just obey today and to trust him and to walk by faith. And so if that's the season that God has you in right now where, you, where you're not sure where you're going and you've tried to find out where you ought to be going and it doesn't seem to be clear, uh, it's okay each and every day just to obey today. Okay, make today's obedience today and trust that God knows what he's doing with you. He has a plan and he's going to bring it to uh, fruition. Okay, I mentioned um, a couple things earlier. I mentioned this uh, ministry uh, to these women. Um, and uh, if you want to fund like a bus trip, um, that is transportation on a Sunday from from downtown up to the church, uh, which is in a, a neighborhood a little bit removed and back. Uh, I think probably about 20 women came um, that Sunday that that they bus them up uh, to go to church. And, and the bus rental was about 25 bucks. And so you can get, let's say you can get 20 or 25 uh, women who need it <laughs> to church and back and it costs 25 bucks. Um, if you want to give to that, you can give through GoServe Global, and they have a sort of a mechanism for getting funds down uh, to Iglesia Genesis. And so I'll put a link in the description below uh, where you can go to the Iglesia Genesis Church, and uh, and uh, you give through, essentially it's through their website, but it goes to GoServe. Make sure you earmark it for Vero's uh, Ministry to Prostitutes if you want to fund that that ministry. Um, or, of course, if you would just like to be a financial blessing to this church, uh, the missionaries are down there said their their monthly budget for that church, which is hundreds of kids, but they're mostly like teens and very young adults, kids who have essentially no income or very little income, um, is most of the, the church. It's starting to get their parents and older people are starting to come into the church as it grows, but it's primarily young people. And so um, they're, they don't have a lot of tithes and offerings to cover the, the, that church, their whole budget. And they, I think they employ like 18 full-time staff members there. 
their entire church budget is like 8,000 bucks a month. And so if you would like to contribute to that, uh, maybe either with a one-time gift or as a recurring giving, uh, again, you can do that through Iglesia Genesis. Iglesia means church, so it's Genesis Church. You can do that through their website, um, and I'll put that link below. So uh, but so there's three things you can do. You can uh, donate to Vero to help her reach these prostitutes for Christ. Uh, you can give to the ongoing disciple-making ministry of this church, uh, but certainly uh, you can also uh, sign up to go on a short-term missions trip. Talk to your talk to your church leaders. Uh, if they're not doing anything, there are all kinds of missions organizations out there that you can work through. The trip I was on is through GoServe Global. Uh, they do ministry in, I think, seven different countries, and you can check that out. Uh, I'll link to their ministry as well below. So I hope you've been encouraged by some of the videos here, some of the, the pictures, um, and also from the report of God's faithfulness. I certainly came back in some ways humbled, challenged to be more about the work of the kingdom, and also encouraged that God is doing some work uh, in me. And there is, I believe that there is some missions work ahead. I'm not sure exactly what what that is going to entail. Um, but if you would join me in praying and asking God just to open the right doors at the right time and to give me patience uh, along the way and to obey uh, each day as I need to, I would appreciate that as well. So God bless you uh, and thank you for watching this week. And we'll be back here again soon at the Apostles Mailbox. Mm -hmm.